Thank you for tuning in to the Living Truth Church podcast. We're glad that you're here. If you'd like more information about Living Truth, you can check out our website at livingtruthchurch.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, but the best way to connect with us is through our Living Truth Church app, which can be found in any app store. Now for a message from the Word of God. We hope that God uses this teaching to impact your life. Amen. Amen. Jeff was worried if he let me see the preview, I wasn't going to get choked up on Sunday. <laughs> Whatever. Mm. Amen. Well, that's just part of it. So after the camera crew left, a 12-year-old boy was watching it, and he accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he got baptized right after that. Amen. Amen. Woo. Speechless. But we shall we shall move on. We are we are thankful, and Danielle shared in her opening too that you know we are thankful on Memorial Day for those. Uh, I know this is not Memorial Day; it's tomorrow, but in the weekend. But Memorial Day for those that have given their lives, and we pray for those families left behind. Uh, I know you have some loved ones you think about. Um, yeah, I think about some people as well, and uh, at this time. And um, let's pray. Father, we love you, and we uh, come here to uh, share your word, to honor you, respect you, and, and we're delighted to come together in your name, Lord. I thank you for this opening, just seeing what's going on, even during the middle of the stinking week. Thank you, Lord. And then the more that are yet to come, Lord, we're hearing about, Lord. You're shaking things up. You're making people that were sitting on the edge, tiptoeing in their walk with you and, and or playing around or getting just people getting all in, Lord. Thank you. God, we do want to pray for those families uh, that feeling doesn't go away of lost loved ones from war and even for the exercise of war, Lord. We um, preparing for it. Lord, we pray for these families, uh, children that were left behind, uh, husbands, wives, mothers, and fathers. Lord, we pray that you love on them this weekend. And God, as we come together in your name right now, I pray that we'll not be distracted, but we'll hear your word as you have it for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, for those new with us, we are uh, going through uh, the sermon series is called Letters because we're going through the letters that were written to the church, and that's various ones. Uh, right now, Paul's been busting our chops lately. And, uh, you know, if you're not a Christian, you're come or watching this, you know, uh, you got to know a lot of the things that he's, he's hitting here. He's really, he's, I mean, the Word of God, you know, steps on the Christian's toes. Uh, it hits us right here, right? You know, we're the ones, I mean, you're, uh, you know, it's not really speaking at you on, on those kind of things. But uh, we pray that you'll, you'll still want to come in and get with us. Um, but the title of this message this morning co- probably could be confusing if you read it on the sign, Stuff X's Deal With. <laughs> the mind can go, right? Because the mind can do terrible things to us. Uh, that's really not the letter X. That's the letter Chi in Greek, uh, which was often uh, used short for Christ. Like so, you've seen people write. It looks like X must, but they're sometimes they're speaking of 
Christmas because they know of that abbreviation. Sometimes they're not. They're being bad. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's what this is really about this morning. And so, so what are some things that trip Christians up and what can we do about it and why does it matter? Kind of deal with that this morning from the letter of Philippians. Um, so I'm going to answer the last one real quick. The gospel matters. That's why it's important. Um, your walk and talk as a representative of Christ matters. Um, people don't want to hear it if what they see doesn't match. We are to live gospel-centered lives. Amen? In our passage today, Paul speaks the truth in love as he urges the church to be united, to rejoice in the Lord, he, to be gentle, to replace anxiety with God's peace through prayer, and to think on praiseworthy things. Uh, he addresses several common problems that Christians deal with. These struggles include disputes, joylessness, lack of graciousness, you ever had a Christian not be gracious to you? Okay, see, I'm talking about anxiety and pure thoughts. He, he deals with the, the, this church and these things. Now, the Philippian church was a great church. It was an impressive church. But even great churches will struggle with sin and need God's word to correct them. Ironically, Paul is in prison while he writes this letter of encouragement. Try to keep that in the back of your mind. We hear the gospel called the gospel of Christ, the gospel of the kingdom. And, and last week I shared another one. I referred to it as the gospel of joy. And why not? It's good news. Amen? It's the best news. I mean, if we really comprehend it, uh, if we take it more than a meal ticket to heaven, it's really great news. Because it's kind of like uh, it keeps giving and giving, you know? Uh, Believers should be characterized by joy. But sometimes we need a reminder. And sometimes we need a brother or sister to step in and give us a wake-up call. In this case, it starts out with a couple of women not getting along. Yodia and Syntec, and I don't know if that's Syntec's correct pronunciation, but from the Auto business, Syntec, you know, Syntec. Anyway, uh, that's what I always say. I can't help it. Uh, it, could have been it could have been two men. It could have been a couple of, a couple like Ananias virus, could have been whatever, who had the troubles. Paul's just using them as an example. But somebody needed to step in because they had, they had seen these ladies work in the church, and now they're kind of going at each other, or, or they weren't, or they weren't even talking. I love how the Bible always kind of keeps it vague, just enough that we can fit all of our stories into it, you know? The ladies needed reconciliation, right? It's a sad day when we see brothers and sisters that once were getting along, now they can't even talk to each other. Look, every now and then, just a couple of folks in a church can have a dispute and a relationship that once was characterized by Christ-likeness moves to tension to a breakup. And it sends a ripple throughout the church. Y'all ever seen that happen? Right? It doesn't just stay with them. It sends a ripple. 
You ever felt like you're almost being put where you got to pick sides? You know? And I always tell people, look, I'm for y'all. I'm for you, and I'm for you. Let's talk about it. At the near-perfect church in Philippi, because there's no perfect church, right? At the near-perfect church in Philippi, that was the case. Paul uses that situation to bounce off into the bigger picture. Uh, we, he's like, we ain't got no time for that. Remember whose you are. Paul calls for gospel-centered reconciliation. The gospel doesn't have time for disunity. Y'all understand that? There's no time for us to be fighting amongst each other. There's a world to reach for Jesus out there. The gospel does not have time for disunity. So he calls on the true companion. That is, that could be one person, a couple of people, the whole church to help work this out. Conflict, even between just two members of the church, affects the whole church. So as we dive into this passage, think on these three questions. I want you to personalize this. Do you see yourself as a threat to the unity of the church? Will you ask for help when you have a conflict with somebody in the church? Are you prepared to give help? Listen, if you are going to have real relationships, then get ready. You will have conflict. Amen? It is. We're, we're making friendships with imperfect people, and we're imperfect. Not even couples that marry as best friends agree on everything. Petty differences, petty differences demand energy that would be better utilized in kingdom work. So we need to work those little things out or they'll be like little foxes tearing up the villages. Let's look at Philippians 4, 3 through 9. Yes, Paul says, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Maintaining a joyful heart is, common, is a common struggle in the church. Now, how are you feeling right now? I know friends had their reunion this week. How are you doing? All right, no friends here? Okay. Keeping the soul happy daily is vital to our walk. To have that spring in our step. We've all experienced dryness, despair, and discouragement. Paul's like saying, say it in so. This is not necessary. Rejoice 
is a major theme in the letter. Despite the circumstance from which it is written, trouble in the church. And again, Paul is in prison and he's talking about rejoice. How can you do that? Joy is all over the letter to the Philippians. And as a cure for disagreements, the apostle says, rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. How do you do that? And is this an option? He's not, it sounded like a command. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, we can't say rejoice just general always, right? But we can rejoice in the Lord always, right? Because even in my worst situation, ah, hang on, God's going to redeem this situation. Don't know yet how, why, when, but he will redeem it. Amen? So I can rejoice even in that situation. I can rejoice always in the Lord. People who are happy in the Lord are not apt to either give offense or take offense. I'm going to tell you, you're going to have a hard time offending me. You're going to have to work at it overtime. Because I just like let it go. You know why? Because I ain't got time for that. Because the distraction that it would take for me to do kingdom work, to chase that down, I ain't got time for that. You think I'm a bad person? You think I'm an idiot? Okay, all right, whatever. I, fine. I don't care. Their minds are occupied with higher things that they are not easily distracted by the little troubles which naturally arise among such imperfect creatures as us. Spurgeon says, joy in the Lord is the cure for all discord. Joy. I don't know about y'all. If you got problems, I think I'd be checking on this joy thing. Right? If sin is the answer. Paul's joy was not based on a sunny optimism or positive mental attitude, right? No, it was the confidence that God was in control. Man, this looks crazy what's going on right now. How's this? What? God, you, got, you knew yesterday this was going to happen. It really was for Paul a joy in the Lord. And what a gracious God we serve who makes delight to be duty. It's your duty to have delight. And who commands us, commands us to rejoice. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be joyous. Then he says, then he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And that word translated in the ESV, reasonless, that word is probably translated 17 different ways in English translate, <laughs> translations. Uh, it's like translated sometimes mildness, patience, gentleness, moderation, unwillingness to litigate. As in, Let's work things out. Instead of, instead of us jumping to hating each other, suing each other, hey, let's, you know, let, let's, let's come to the middle here. Let's figure it out. Let's figure this thing out. Let's work this thing out. 
We need willingness to give up our preferences and be gracious to others. We need to give up our rights. And we talked about this. It might have been last week. I said, we don't, you know, we don't have any rights. We live often like we think we have rights. We really don't have any rights. In John chapter 8, Jesus showed a holy gentleness. That's that word. Holy gentleness to the woman caught in adultery. He knew the men had set her up and that they were throwing her under the bus. And Jesus just bent down, drew, played tic-tac-toe on the ground or something, and just challenged the whole situation. And before it's done, he says, man, where, where are your accusers at? He says, go and sin no more. Paul goes on to say, be anxious in nothing. This is a command, not an option. See, too much concern, too much concern, too much worry invades an arena that belongs only to God. You know, it's God's problem. It's, if somebody's going to worry about it, it's God's to worry about. The reason it gives us a big headache is it's a big problem and we can't do anything about it. When we get to worrying about doing when we, when we start trying to take on God's stuff, no wonder we get a headache. Anxiety is a joy robber. Worry is a sin. Worry is not trusting God. When you worry a lot, people call you a worry. That's gross. That's not flattering. I mean, that right there ought to tell us something. Of all the questions I could ask, but you all got 100 on that test. You, everybody knew what that was. Listen, he wants you to regain your song. Get your skip back in your step. Remember, Paul, remember, I keep saying this. Remember, Paul is writing this from prison, okay? We're thinking, well, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, have you ever read what Paul went through? There's nobody here can touch that. And, and even while he's writing this, he's in jail. <laughs> he knows trouble. He knows drama. He knows dilemma. He knows life and death matters. For goodness sake, he got left for dead on the side of the road one time. Bring your worries and concerns to God in prayer. Your prayer life is your best defense against anxiety. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety weighs a man's heart down. Now, care, concern, things that we're alarmed about are different than anxiety and worry. So the problem of anxiety doesn't mean we live, live unconcerned, dispassionate lives. There is a positive worry. The good anxiety causes us to perform our responsibilities or I might get fired so I should take care of some things if your boss says if you're late one more time you're getting canned that should be cause for concern a good kind of concern 
Here's a good rule of thumb. Because I, I know we have in my own family, three out of six people take a little something for anxiety. All right. So don't everybody start throwing stuff at me, saying bad stuff at me online. All right. Because it would start with my own family throwing at me. All right. I, I'm saying hear this out. All right. Could your worry be because you don't trust God? I mean, use that as the rule of thumb. Yeah, I mean, if you're thinking, I'm worried about something, ask this question. Could my worry be because I'm not trusting God in this situation? Look, we need to have the eternal perspective in view so that anxiety does not immobilize us or squeeze the joy out of us. Anxiety has the potential to crush you when you believe the lies. How many of you have ever found out you were immobilized kind of for a little bit and you realized later it was a lie? Most often, do you know that thing that you're worried about tomorrow to happen? Did you know at 85% of the time that thing does not happen? Yeah, people have done studies on that. Look, I'm the type, I like to worry about something like 30 seconds before it happens, you know? I'm getting a shot tomorrow or this or that or whatever. I'm like, I don't like getting, I don't like needles, you know, but I don't think about it until then. Yeah, I procrastinate my worry. There you go. That's good. I didn't think about that. Do that. That's a, oh man, that's good. We got something new there. God has already told you that he's got you. Amen, Christian? He's got you, right? How many times in a bad situation, somebody said they're praying for you, we know God's got this, right? Well, do you really believe it? You know, it's like listen to a false prophet. You say you don't, but you do when you let the lies take you down. They are telling you that God isn't good. They're telling you that God is out of control. And they're telling you that God's, you know, God's just not that smart. And you fall for the lies all the while the heavens declare the glory of God. Now, the Philippian church anxiety was, they had some external threats, some internal threats, they had concern for, they were concerned for Paul. He's in jail. He's the guy. And then they possibly were worried about money. But we can certainly relate to these concerns and add some. Isolation, interruptions, family crises, envy, loneliness, etc. There are many threats to peace. When you're consumed with your worries, you'll be less likely to serve. That's why Satan wants you to worry. He doesn't know anybody serving. I love it. This week I got a card. We got a card from somebody in our service that says, I want to serve. I, I, I want, I'm going to put it on my, somewhere in my office. I need that. I, just, I was just like, somebody not asking for something. Somebody, somebody said, I want to serve. Just one. I'm telling you about it because maybe there are more that just realize you can feel that card and make me happy. When you're consumed with your worries, you'll be less likely to serve. And that's a problem because God made you to serve. If the worries of life own you, then you're just trying to make it. That's no life when we're just trying to make it. It keeps you from the mission. It keeps you from the gospel. It robs you of peace. 
And those are spiritual things, but it goes off into the physical realm as well. I mean, this list, the list reads like a drug commercial disclaimer. Y'all watch those drug commercials? You know, worry can lead to a new, I, I'm going to try to do it. Worry can, lead, worry can lead to unusual mood swings, irritability, anger, sweating, rapid heartbeat, chest pain, exhaustion, nervous twitching, decreased concentration and memory, nausea, shortness of breath, heart, hair loss, weight gain, or panic indecisiveness, canker sores, muscle tension, insomnia, high blood pressure, eating comfort foods, and reckless driving, and, of course, diarrhea. There are many potential remedies for anxiety. Some are helpful, but we should always start with God's Word. We need God's Word to know peace. Now, I'm not presenting an anti-drug message for you this morning, okay? What I'm saying is, what I'm saying, and I'm, I'm, I'm imploring you is, Please always start with God's Word. And just because I need to Jesus juke you, Jesus talks about it in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And you got to know when Jesus makes a statement, he's not asking. Jesus is the Son of God, so this is God speaking to us. And he, Jesus says three times, in, he says, don't worry. And, and he gives five reasons why we should not be consumed with anxiety. Uh, first of all, God provides for birds and flowers. He'll provide for us. Second, Worrying is pointless. It doesn't change a thing. You can't grow another hair on your head. You can't. It's not. It's, you can't. The third one, worrying, Jesus said, is a pagan practice, not a disciple's practice. So he wants us to rest in God's grace now while you're living and not wait to rest in peace later when you're not here. He wants you to rest in grace now. Fourth, God knows our needs more than we do. He's not caught by surprise. And lastly, God will provide everything we need when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm going to tell you, there was a period in my life that was really uh, down. It was down. Man, driving to work, and it was a long drive, place I was working at the time. Matthew six thirty three every all day. I mean, that's a long drive to be concentrating on one verse. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. That verse got me through a few years. Hey, and if you learn more verses, they help you get through many years. Paul said to accept the truth that you shouldn't have a heart filled with pagan anxiety. Don't worry about anything. It is sin, just like gossip, envy, covet, sexual sin. It's not acceptable. I think in the church we've grown to accept these things, but it's not. Cast all your 
cares on God who cares for you. He's not denying that we have hard times. He's getting us to refocus during those times in Christ. In Christ, your problems are God's problems, and they aren't problems to him. Did you hear that? In Christ, your problems are God's problems, and they ain't nothing to do the thing to him. Fight anxiety with God. Fight anxiety with faith in God's promises. Once we pray and give our burden to God, we can have peace in the midst of the problem. You see, it doesn't make sense that Paul could have peace in prison. That's why it's called a peace beyond understanding. Pastor Norm, you just got this, uh, you just got this positive pie-in-the-sky idea, and you just don't know what I'm going through. Let me tell you, when God called me to plant this church, he told me to quit my job. You don't think that came with repercussions and concerns. A family of six people, depending on you. My wife was a stay-at-home mom. She was not a doctor somewhere and taking care of business. No. We had to find people. We didn't take people from the church that we were at. We had to find a place to meet. And the first time I went to the school, the guy, the principal said, no, well, 90 days. I'm like, uh, we, got a, we got more than a 90-day plan. Do you know what I did each time? Well, let me, one more fun fun one. We were, I had a handful of people meeting with me during the week and I said, hey, who, who's all in? We're going to start meeting on Sundays. Who's all in, man? Because I had man, I had my music guy, I had my youth person, I had a children's person. I, mean, we had, I had some servants in there. I, mm, can't wait. We're going, God. Thank you for sending all these people. One by one that week, each one said, nah, we're not going to be a part of this. Nah, we're not going to be a part of this. Nah, we're not going to be a part of this. Nah, we're not going to be a part of this. To I got to Friday before the Sunday, I'm like, God, but you know what I said each time? This is your problem, God. I know you called me to do this. This is your problem. I didn't worry about it. And God took care of it. That's how God works. So, yeah, I know a little bit about how you could worry about stuff. You want me to tell you some more? I, I could tell you some more. But we don't have time for that, no. It is the peace of God that guards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, that's very important as we read in Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart, for out of it flows the wellspring of life. See, this peace is beyond human understanding unless you know Christ. And if you're watching here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you don't know the peace I'm talking about, and you just fly by to see your pants and God help you. I invite you to turn to Christ today and walk in him. Back to Philippians. Uh, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Finally, brothers, Paul puts a cap on it by addressing the Christian's thought life. 
For us to grow in likeness to Jesus, we have to have a renewed mind. You can't, go, you can't keep going the way you used to be. In Romans 12, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, your spiritual act of worship. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God has blessed his church with his word as a primary means of purifying our minds. This is why God's word is so important. Quit straying from it. Quit, get, quit leave, letting dust collect on it. You read it, but are you doing it? Jesus prayed in John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. David prayed, God, search my, hurt, search my heart, oh God. See if there's anything inside of me. And he knew that sometimes we think too highly of ourselves. We don't think that we've done anything wrong. We, we justify our sin. You see, the mind can be a terrible thing. That's why it's important to stop and think. Real change involves a change of the mind, our thoughts you see, Jesus knew adultery stemmed with a lustful thought that got out of hand. We see about it. He talks about that in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gets at the thoughts behind the adultery and murder, calling attention to the sinful lust and thoughts and malicious thoughts. Because he knew it started there. It started with a thought. You see, what we think matters, and it matters more than we think. We need God's word to saturate our minds that we may be renewed and kept from offensive ways. You see, when we blow it as believers, we do, and we do, someone might be inclined to say, what were you thinking? To which we will have no real good answer. I wasn't thinking. Have you ever been on, that? Have you ever been on the other end of that when you had to go, I wasn't thinking? So Paul takes the time to tell the Christians to think about what is true, not falsehoods. You wouldn't think that necessary, but Paul knew it was. Think about things that are honorable, not dishonorable. Again, it seems to go without saying, but he felt it needed to be said. Think about what is just and not unjust. Come on, Paul, you're busting our chops. They need busting. See, think on what is pure, not impure, all right, Paul, we're not in kindergarten. Well, he knew the whole church needed to hear it, right? Think about what is lovely, not repulsive. Think about what is commendable, not wrong. Think about what is morally excellent, not what is filthy. And yeah, again, he's talking to Christians. So think about what is worthy of praise, not shameful. This is embarrassing, but it's to Christians. He knew that they, he knew how they were and how we all are. Surrender your thought life to Jesus and don't let it drift into the church. So Paul shepherds the church, urging them to be united, to rejoice in the Lord, to be gentle, to replace anxiety with God's peace through prayer, and to think on praiseworthy things. And as we meditate, as we meditate on these things, 
and this is why I like the sermon-based CPR groups, because you don't hear me, you don't hear this message one day and it sticks with you. I like groups that meet again and talk about it and go deeper into it and you meditate on this stuff because you need you need to meditate on what I just read I just spent a short time on what Paul said here it's important that he said for us to think about these things you see Christ you see Jesus never broke these commands and he solved all these problems. Christ is the reconciler, the gentle savior. We can live a life of rejoicing because of his great gift of salvation. He removed our greatest fear and relieves our deepest anxiety through his victorious death and resurrection. He paid the penalty for those who sin with their thoughts and he grabs them a new mind. Look to the savior for your righteousness and for daily renewal. And go imitate him. Look, we could all have a good day, but we need days that are good, right? As you do, the peace of God will be with you. That's a promise. Do you trust God? Why'd Paul write this? He wasn't mad at the church. He cared about the church. He knew that at any given time, we are all merely seconds from messing up big time. And that's bad. But then again, there is, this is the gospel of joy. You see, I told you it was good news. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And now listen, that's, that's a measure of grace. That's not an invitation to sin. That's God saying, I got you covered. Get back in the game. He also tells us to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. My son and daughter-in-law and my grand dog, I said it. <sighs> we said we weren't going to say it. They were in town a couple weeks ago. And I watched one day, they were getting ready to leave, and he, he walked out with the dog out the front door with the dog. Yes, we let our dog in our house. Kids. And they walked out, and, and the dog was a good dog. It was a good dog. And, and he walked out with them, and they walked out back and forth. And they're walking back in. I noticed the dog was never far away, probably six inches away from him. And he was like bad when he was walking with his daddy, right? And, and, I, wanted to, and I, I knew back when we had a dog, we did have a dog 14 years, had that front door open and had my dog been in the house, that dog would have escaped like a prisoner set free. I don't know what y'all's dogs are like. Y'all probably good people. But I wanted to ask my son now. I said, no, I'd really ask this dog because they treat him like he's got a personality anyway. And I could just see him if I said, why, why didn't you run? Why didn't you run for it? Oh, Max would have ran for it. And I could just see this dog looking at me, tilting his hand, head and going, why would I do that? And yet God has set you and me free and why would we go back to that old life? Do you trust God? Have you done anything to earn his trust? I heard a story this week. We'll end with this. UPS truck drove... Drove up to Farmer Gray's property. Boom. Dropped off package. 
old nosy mouse in the house, scurried down to see what was in the package. Farmer Gray's wife opens it up, pulls it up. It's a mouse trap. Mouse like, uh-oh. He runs out of the house, runs to the chicken, chicken coops, a chicken, chicken. Farmer Gray's got a mouse trap. I'm sorry for you. Huh. Runs over the pig pen. Wilbur. Farmer Gray's got a mouse trap. Man, I'm sorry for you, mouse. I'll be praying for you. Runs over to the cow. What gets one cow? It's always kind of near by. They like to get in on saying, cow. Farmer Greg, they got a mouse trap. Too sad, but that ain't my problem. <laughs> it's a mouse trap. That night, mouse trap was set. All of a sudden, bam! Blah, 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 blah. Farmer Gray's wife runs in there. She's finally, mm, that mouse is done. She gets in there, room's dimly lit. She looks in there, and it's, she sees that, that tail, and she's like, yeah, well, I about gave it away there. Tail was a little bigger than that. She gets in, about the time she realizes that ain't no, that's a big tail. Boom! Snake bites her. Poisonous snake. Gets her. Yells out, screams. Farmer Gray takes her to the hospital. It's bad. They get her home. Go break, take care of her home. Next morning, Farmer Greg gonna make her something to eat. Goes out, kills a chicken. Gonna make her chicken soup. A couple of days go by, things ain't looking good. He, he's gotta get back to work. He, he, that farm ain't taking care of itself. He hires some people to take care of her and so he can get out to work. He hires some people to come help work. You know, gotta feed him. Goes out there and gets that pig, kills that pig. Man, they had bacon and sausage in the morning. They had pork at lunch. And the best way to tell the story is they had chitlins at dinner. Turned out sad, Farmer Gray's wife died. And she was the pianist at the First Baptist Church there. They ended up having a big celebration of life right there at the farm. Farmer Gray went out and got that cow. Killed that cow. Man, they had steaks. They had, man, they had hamburgers. Great celebration of life. Right there at the end of the day, the sun's setting, going down underneath the picnic table. Fat little mouse sitting there. I told him. I told him. I told him all that that farmer had a mouse trap. You see, we don't know what's in that trap that Satan has set for us. Some people are going to say, I'm sorry for you. That's, that's, I'm sorry for you, but they're not. Some people are going to say, I'm going to pray for you, but they don't. And some people, they ain't going to fake it. They just going to say, too sad, it ain't my problem. We need to care. You see, we don't really know what's in that trap. The devil wants us to feel safe. Oh, that's for him or that's for her. It ain't my problem. You'll drop your guard. So I say to us, let's care and let's pray and let's be there. Be on guard because it might look like he's coming for one of us, but he's coming for all of us. This was a different type of message today. I, it's an us message, caring about us.
And maybe there's something in there that you want to get with Jesus so that you know the peace that transcends all understanding. There's a lot in there. Now is your time to respond. Hey, we're so glad that you joined us for worship this morning. We know that God is moving in the hearts and lives of anybody that hears his word. And we want to encourage you to take the step that the Holy Spirit's prompting you to take. Hebrews 4.12 tells us, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This morning, the Word of God was preached, and we know that it has the supernatural ability to go down deep inside us and change us from the inside out. And we want to encourage you to take the step that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to take. If you'll download the Living Truth Church app for any, any app store, there's a Next Steps tab, and there's a list of different things that the Holy Spirit may be telling you to do. There are ways for you to respond. Maybe you've never chosen to follow Jesus, and the Holy Spirit's drawing you to Himself. Well, there's no better time to follow Jesus than right now. And you can let us know that in the app. You can by clicking follow Jesus. Uh, maybe you're a Christian and the next step you need to take is baptism or beginning to serve in the church or giving or getting plugged into a CPR group. One of those things, you know, many other things as well. Let us know in the app. We want to come alongside you. And if you'll fill that form out, we'll be able to come alongside you and help you take those steps. Um, we know that if you're a believer, you're a stepper. You are somebody who never stops. You never become stagnant. We should always be walking with Jesus and taking steps to follow him. So if you heard the word of God this morning. There's steps for you to take, and we want to encourage you to take those. Um, so if you would, join me in prayer. Um, dear Lord, I thank you for each and every person that's watching with us today. We thank you that they're here. We thank you that they've heard your word, God, and we pray that you'll speak to them, that you'll you'll draw them to yourself, God, and you'll, you'll tell them the steps that they need to take as they follow you. Um, God, we pray that you'll give them the boldness and courage to be obedient to what it is you're telling them to do. Um, God, we pray that you'll move in their lives and use them. We love you. We thank you for your son. We thank you for salvation. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, y'all have a great week.